0: Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Hi, this is Dr. Andy Barlow with the Chiropractic Physician Center of Tupelo and author of the number one bestseller, The Code Are you sick and tired of the medical merry-go-round? Are you looking for a potential solution to your health problem? Be sure and listen to our podcast, The Code
1: What is up on a Friday? I am Brian Scott Riffey. My co-conspirator as always is Michael Borkin. We appreciate you stopping by for another mailbag Friday, the people's holiday. I don't think I could say quarantine anymore because at least around here, things are kind of opening up. Like, uh, I guess if I wanted to go to a restaurant this evening, I think I could, There seems to be stuff open around here. Uh, I was in Jackson last weekend, some stuff outside city limits, obviously, uh, seemed to be opening up. So, uh, is the quarantine over? I guess that is the topic of debate.
0: Uh, in some places, not everywhere, though.
1: Is it over here?
0: Yeah, for the most part. I mean, there's yeah, still I some restrictions, it's to but say yeah, yes. it's over.
1: Yeah, so that's nice, because for a while there, I didn't think we were ever making it out of there. I mean, how, how, how long ago does it seem that uh, that we were talking about, holy hell, why would you cancel the college baseball season in June and March? Uh, remember that conversation, just the sheer shock of being on radio and that happened? How long ago does that feel like?
0: Oh, man, a decade at least.
1: Seriously, I've never, like, see, I mean, it seriously, it does feel like months and months. And I know, I guess it was technically multiple months at this point. It was really like seven, eight weeks. Like, it's kind of crazy. But anyway, I'm glad we're getting out of the other side. Got UFC this weekend. You've got the skins match between... Matthew Wolf and Ricky Fowler against Rory McIlroy and Dustin Johnson at charity match at Seminole Golf Club How did
0: Ricky Fowler get the short end of that stick Not that Matthew Wolf's not a good player but it kind of feels like the other team is stacked with more experience
1: Uh yeah I mean it's did it, it, you talk I mean if you want to count the majors the majors are all on one one side here uh but yeah I I would imagine it's one of those things where they got it together for charity and Ricky was like I'll pick a partner Like it was probably the three of them, and they needed a partner, and then he was just like, "I'll take Matthew Wolf, Oklahoma State guy." I imagine they're friends. Uh, That's how I'm guessing it happened. I have absolutely no insight into that at all, but that might be actually kind of kind of interesting. uh, I'm
0: more interested in this than I am um, Tiger Phil the weekend after, at least from um, like an actual watching the sport. And like watching the sport being played at a high level and not just a sheer entertainment value. I guess they're two different things, right? I am more interested in actually watching this weekend. Next weekend's more like, oh, we'll see if Peyton Manning like ribs, you know, like pokes at the guys or something when the cameras are on. Like that's what next weekend is. You're not watching that for the golf. You're watching this weekend or you should be for the golf. It should be high level.
1: Yeah, and there's a couple of things I'd look for, and that is, one, is this like going to be a little bit of a prelude to kind of see what a television broadcast is going to be like with no gallery and no fans? Obviously, it's going to be much different because uh, the broadcast is just going to be following one group the entire time, both of the next two weekends. But uh, this weekend in particular, you just kind of get a peek at maybe what it sounds like a little bit with no fans, what you can hear. Uh, I imagine you can hear a little bit more of caddy player conversation, stuff like that. Although I'm pretty sure there are no caddies this weekend, correct? It's just them. Um, Oh, I don't know.
0: I'm surprised by that though. See, that that seems a little over the top.
1: I think that's the case. I'll uh, double check and look into it. But I don't know. Maybe you'll get a sneak peek into kind of what some of this looks like. You're also going to get to see an incredibly exclusive and beautiful looking golf course that really hasn't been shown on TV ever in Seminole Golf Club. So, that is uh, that is something to look forward to this weekend. I So I I was reading how they're doing the Skins game earlier. Like, they both start out with, like, I think 50. So I don't know. I don't want to do the math. Uh, I can tell you one of the players, at least, Dustin Johnson, there is absolutely no way they've explained to him the math, and he's understood it. He'll probably just kind of be along for the ride. But anyway, we've got that going on, UFC. We've got, uh, as far as the show today, it'll be mailback questions. There is a... uh is it is it inappropriate to call this hilarious? i mean, I guess it's not hilarious there's a incredibly you laugh because it's so dumb uh n f l story going on with a pair of n f l defensive backs that appear to have just decided to rob a barbecue that they were participants in, so uh, we'll get to that let's' uh, it's more
0: shocking than anything i mean it's just yeah, shocking funny
1: like, is probably funny's probably yeah funny is probably not the best way to describe it It's just kind of one of those it's so dumb you can hardly believe it's true type of things like it's almost like it's like you chuckle in shock. It's like did that really happen? Like I, I don't under. Yeah, I, I just I don't know. I feel like I feel like there should be more to this story, and there's just there's just not. There's just
0: there's a level of stupidity there that's like unfathomable.
1: Yeah, honestly, kind of frightening. Um, but anyway, first and foremost, it is Mailbag Friday. The People's Holiday is back. Uh. Yeah, I I don't know. I keep going back and forth between that and quarantine. I keep wanting to say quarantine, but no, put your mask on. The holiday's back. Here we go. Let's see. We'll just dive right into it. If you could go back and pick one, which would you pick? Change, go back and win one game, which would you pick? Fourth and 25 against Arkansas in football. Game three against Tennessee Tech in baseball. Yes, I know that's apples to oranges. So there's only two options here. Um. I mean, I well, think- I'm
0: sure there's a few he wouldn't mind if we threw a few more out there, uh, but the answer is always football. Always, 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 always football. You'd rather I promise you, you'd rather win the football game than the baseball game because the football game matters more. I promise. I know we love baseball around here and I appreciate that. The answer always is the football game. Always.
1: Well- it will, the, well, in this particular instance, I don't think it's particularly close because, from an Ole Miss perspective, they would have won the SEC West and played in the SEC championship game for the first time in program history, and there probably would have been a little bit of though. The, that's definitely and not changing the outcome.
0: Will Greer had been suspended by then too.
1: Yeah, that is true because they had already played Florida that year, got whipped in the swamp. Uh, yeah, I mean it's it's you you would go football here if you're Ole Miss because. I was going to say that it was going to bring a level of validation to what Freeze and that staff was doing, but at the same time, it was not going to stop anything that happened in the next couple of years. But outside yeah, of the way the water, it ended, <laughs> yeah, I mean, outside of the watered down Sugar Bowl. Well, actually, you probably wouldn't have gone to the Sugar Bowl. You probably would have. Uh, I don't know what what bowl would they have gone to? Would it have still been Sugar Bowl because they probably. I don't know. Maybe if they, they made lose the, the game, it's still the Sugar team.
0: Bowl, but they're probably not losing that game.
1: But is a two-loss SEC t- title like it's a two loss sec champion in the playoff that would have been a fascinating test case i don't necessarily remember i don't that think year. so uh, let's hear what happened i mean you've got a head-to-head win over alabama you're an sec champion i think if there's ever a case for a two loss team making the playoff it probably would have been ole miss like are you really going to leave the sec champion out of the college football playoff Particularly in the year since, and the conversation has shifted to, uh, let's do an automatic qualifier where you have to be a conference champion.
0: Um, I don't know, man. What do you think?
1: That's what I'm saying. I, if, if there was actually a test case, like if there was a, ever a chance for a two-loss team to get in the playoff, I think it would have been that one. I mean, that would have been your best test case. I mean, you are it's the strongest conference in college football. I don't really think that's disputable at this point. Uh, shout out Danny Cannell. But so
0: that was 2015, right? Because they won the the Sugar Bowl on the
1: Jane, New Year's Day, the 6th, on the New first Year's Day, day of the 6th. Yeah. Um, Ohio State,
0: man, no, that, I, I'm sorry. I, see, I type in 2015 college football playoff and they bring up the 2014 season, but the one that happened uh, in 2015. That's annoying. Well, I yeah, go 2016
1: right. playoff, but
0: 2016 playoff. Um
1: Sorry, I I, I'm, I'm sure SEC I said something really stupid there.
0: My, uh, my wife was was handing uh, the the little guy off to me, so I, I I probably repeated you or something. But hmm. So 2015 Oklahoma was the four seed.
1: I don't remember anything about that game or
0: 2015 Oklahoma lost two games, one of which was in the playoff. They lost to Texas in the uh, the Red River shootout, and they had – oh, wow, no, Texas would have gotten in over Ole Miss because here are their final three games. Um, at Baylor, who was number four at the time, that's a win. Number 11 TCU at home, also a win, and a, a win over a top-10 Oklahoma State team to close out the season. They wouldn't have had a, a – conference championship game they didn't have a conference championship game but they closed out the season uh, with three wins over top 11 teams at the time that probably i think gets in over a two loss sec team and one of those losses was to memphis
1: Who? Oh, uh, but who was the playoff that year
0: it was clemson alabama michigan state oh they could have gotten in over michigan state maybe
1: so it Clemson, Oklahoma, and then Alabama, Michigan State were the two That's games. Right. Uh, yeah. Alabama, I don't really State, remember Michigan anything State about those, points. But, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, the answer Michigan here. Michigan State's
0: one loss was at Nebraska. They, according to this, uh, have a win over, at the time, number 7 Oregon, but they really fell off. That win doesn't look near as good. Uh, they beat Ohio State in Columbus that year.
1: But they were a one-loss Big Ten champion. They were getting in.
0: Yeah, no, Ohio State or uh, Ole Miss was not getting in uh, with the second loss.
1: Well, I mean, if you're the S, but like if 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 you're an SEC champion and you have a head-to-head win over Alabama, I mean, how that's a pretty compelling case because I mean, could, so if you think about it from that perspective, Alabama does not go to the SEC championship game, so that's a one-loss Alabama. Oh, that's true. Ole Miss, that's not a conference champion, so. I don't. I'm not. I would. Well, and Ole
0: Miss was think. winning the SEC that year, man. So, are you leaving out the SEC champion?
1: That's right. I think. I tend to think they get in. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I, I just. I, but like, particularly remembering that year, I think they get in. Uh, the
0: the long, SEC and they, champion gets in over Oklahoma, even with that final three-game cool. stretch—a one-loss Oklahoma without a conference championship.
1: Well, and if Ole Missed, if Ole, if if Ole Miss like if they get to the SEC title game and they win it, you're rectifying one of your losses. It's a wash. You're one and one against one of the teams you lost to.
0: And they would have absolutely smoked Florida that day, too. They would have smoked Florida in the SEC championship game.
1: I tend to think so myself, too, but with Freeze, there was so much errat- erraticness in terms of like how games were coached. I mean, like the Memphis game was such a poorly coached game. The uh, Florida, I thought so that year as well. I thought... You know, I mean, he had good coach, like well-coached games in his career. I thought LSU in 13 with Ritter was a really well-coached game, some others. But there was just so much erraticness. Would it have shocked me if Ole Miss had showed up to Atlanta and then just thrown an absolute dud against whoever was playing quarterback for Florida at that point? Absolutely not. Uh, you mean the head- football
0: coach that doubled uh, as a preacher while also getting fired for a, an escort scandal was erratic and inconsistent and unpredictable?
1: Yeah, doubled as a horn dog too, but that's neither here nor there. The uh, but didn't I mean Alabama went in there and kicked the shit out of Florida that year. I don't remember anything about that game, but I remember it not being close because that is a Jim McElwain coached Florida team. How long ago does that seem? Plus Where, see.
0: Where's he now? He's at Central Michigan, right? Oh yeah, that's because he had a a quarterback there also get suspended for a season for testing positive for performance enhancers.
1: Yeah, the guys like Bud Kilmer just sticking needles everywhere. Anyway, that's uh, have you seen that movie?
0: Of course, everybody has.
1: Yes, okay, making sure that didn't fly over anyone's head, I would have been upset. Uh, anyway, so yeah, I think they would have gotten in. So you're taking it here because uh, I mean, whatever. Although, that, that the other side of this coin, in terms, if you're more interested from as an old fan in the baseball program. That uh that is arguably the most consequential loss ever. I mean, just the way that affected that season, the next season, just the added scar tissue to the kind of the postseasons struggles of the late 2000s or mid-2000s, I mean that that game changed a lot for a lot of people. But obviously, answer, you're probably going to go football here. Here's a strange question from a poor man's taft. Man, the Internet's a strange place. Here we go. Your industry contemporary Neil McGrady has proclaimed his underlying love for the end pieces on a loaf of bread. If Old Miss were a loaf of bread, who would be the end pieces? I, I don't know what that means. Like you're, talking, <laughs> you're talking players, coaches, media. Also, uh, what a, a question! A, yeah, I know. I the end
0: pieces. One of them would uh-huh, be Houston Nut. Me.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't see how you don't put Ed Orgeron as an in-piece. I mean, I feel like the guy that goes in the locker room and rips his shirt off and tries to fight people has got to be the in-piece because he's just— Oh,
0: Rippy. Oh, no, no. He's great, and he's always been great. He just didn't win at Ole Miss because of Ole Miss and not because he was a disaster. He, he was great, always.
1: Dumb national media narratives aside, like, if you walk into a locker room, rip your shirt off and threaten to fight like your players you're just a different breed of citizen i think that probably constitutes being an end piece on the on the loaf of bread uh what i'm more concerned about here is uh i see neil like posting photos of like what he cooks at lbs all the time he seems to be a pretty uh pretty solid grillsman is that even i don't even think that's a word uh so i'm not in line to question any of his culinary beliefs but have you ever eaten the end of the pieces of the loaf of bread I always throw that shit away
0: I do, uh, just because Wait, if we've got it, um, I mean, you're it's like, like you're not
1: I do it, that on a sandwich, are you? Uh,
0: if if it's all we've got, I, I keep it just to the end because, uh, I mean, if we've got it, I eat it. But it's not like I want to. It's just I mean,
1: do you? If we're do out, you keep that's both what I ends, like so, like, at the end, of, like. At the end of your loaf of bread, is just an end sandwich that looks like a flattened coconut? Like you putting the two ends together? Or is it one normal piece of bread in one end?
0: And what I'll do is when there's four left, I'll make two sandwiches like half and half just so I don't have to deal with the the misery of having both ends.
1: Got it. Uh, I'm going to let you and Neil have this one. I'm probably not going oh, to. I don't this like them though. Soon.
0: It's not like it's something that I want to do. It's just, you know, when you've got a kid and you're on a budget, man, you've got to make some things work
1: yeah i mean according to uh uh mr taft here the uh the the uh uh neil loves it like apparently he's is he's, he's, he's this is something he desires to do so sounds like where you're just trying to get the job done neil uh, actually prefers this so yeah, yeah I'm just not trying in to
0: get a, the job done not
1: I don't not make in that question. Bible's money yeah i'm not in a question to doubt neil here i just uh i'm i probably not probably not going on that adventure with him i will uh if i ever if we ever in a setting and I have an end piece of loaf of bread, I know who to hand it to. So, uh, <laughs> someone answered this question that said that someone answered this. Their submission was Robert and Denzel <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of different ways you could go with that, but I, I really enjoyed that answer. I don't know why that makes okay. sense, but it makes sense. And it's –
0: I'm sure it goes on everywhere to some degree, but not at programs that win consistently. Like I promise you Nick Saban doesn't play favorites. The stuff – and not just like in the locker room. The stuff that those guys were able to get away with for so long that I have like firsthand knowledge about is mind-blowing. Like how how you could expect to keep a locker room – like fully intact and all loving each other while you were allowing them to do the things that they were allowed to do and get away with like what what did you expect was going to happen
1: yeah and it's interesting those first two years is kind of becoming a student around that same time is uh like you kind of saw your typical just like all american story of the benefits of being you know in in like in integral pieces of a uh of a college football team that had really sucked for a couple years and was kind of building its way back up. I mean, it was it was Bo, Denzel, and Chief Brown, and like they were kind of like it on campus and around town. I mean, Robert, I guess you can throw him in there too, but I'm really talking 2012, 2013, either before Robert got there when he was kind of a freshman. But yeah, I don't know why that makes sense though. If you wanted to describe, Den- I mean, Robert Venditti is the end piece on a loaf of bread. That makes sense, but I couldn't really tell you why let's see what are your expectations for kiffin's first year along with the offense qb slash wins and losses um i mean it would have stunned me if i, probably, I have them pegged at five wins but if they got to six it wouldn't stun me as far as expectations for the offense and the quarterback uh i probably could have answered that before this whole covid thing hit and there was no spring football and all of that it just this seems to dilute things the product the product on the field in college football this year, if and when they have a season, is going to be uh, certainly going to be different. And I think it's going to crush the narrative that spring football doesn't matter because I, uh, I, think, I, don't, I think after this no one's going to complain about the spring again because it is going to be a lot to get in and a lot to do and a lot to squeeze in in a short amount of time. And I think you're going to see it on the field at least for a little while.
0: Yeah, I've seen people talk about how they're going to have six-week-long – we can call them training camps. People call in college football call them fall camps, but they're not in the fall. We need to universally use the phrase training camp. That's a conversation maybe for a different day. They're going to have like six-week-long training camps. And I guess maybe that supplements the spring. But my God, could you imagine trying to practice without a game for six weeks? That would be just brutal. Um, as far as the question itself, I, I'm going to spend – the next few months, with the anticipation that the season's going to start, trying to caution everybody in this state to have a wins-loss expectation for either program. Like, if, if there's a Mississippi State fan out there that thinks, oh yeah, they're going to win seven, eight games, no problem, I, I'm going to spend the rest of the year, up until football season, reminding them that it could very well not go well. Like There's a chance that both teams' records aren't any better than last year's. There's a very real chance that that happens. In fact, I would argue that it's more likely that both miss a bowl game than both make a bowl game. This still is the SEC West. You still had previous head coaches that left behind some issues uh, on on the team, whether it be um, just a roster that's not – in Ole Miss' case, yes, the roster is better than Arkansas's, but that's not saying a whole lot. That's like saying that I'm taller than a class of first graders. You know, congratulations. Um, Ole Miss has some roster holes, like talent gaps between everybody, them and everybody else in the SEC, save Vanderbilt and Arkansas. Who else is on their schedule? Not Missouri. Um, Mississippi State, they're comparable to. But, I mean, you're not – you can't match up with Auburn and LSU and Florida and Alabama and Texas A&M right now from just a pure top-to-bottom roster perspective. Um, there's a chance that the quarterback room isn't quite figured out at Ole Miss. And, and there's a chance it takes a couple of years for Kiffin's system to really take hold. There's, a ch- there's so many variables that could lead to these teams being bad, and there's fewer variables that could lead to the teams being really good. There's a chance they both suck. There's a chance that Mississippi State really sucks in year one. There's a chance that Ole Miss goes to a bowl game. There's a chance that Ole Miss really sucks, and there's a chance that Mississippi State goes to a bowl game. But the likelihood of them being really good, like eight wins competitive, I I think you really need to tamper your expectations for year one under a new head football coach. So that's my mission for the rest of the year, to try to get people to have perspective. This is year one. This is a new coach. There is a talent gap. We did have coronavirus that derailed their opportunity to get their teams prepared in the spring and get their systems installed in the spring. They can't have their new strength and conditioning coaches shaping their team and their players for the systems they want to run. They're having to do Zoom workouts. And as you can imagine, they're probably a disaster. So there are so many variables more so that would lead to them not being good than being good. If you expect like eight wins from Lane Kiffin in year one, I think you're crazy. And even if they go four and eight, just like Matt Luke did, that doesn't mean he wasn't the right guy or the program's not going in the right direction. It just takes a while. And if, there are people more so on the Mississippi State side, I think, that expect like an eight win team. Just be prepared for them not to win eight games this year because that's not happening.
1: Yeah, it's almost like a year zero or a year like 0.5. Because, I mean, in terms of a college football coach, like particularly on Mike Leach's side, he may have, Mike Leach may have actually gotten the benefit of, State already having pretty much a full recruiting class together, but, like, Kiffin was already kind of behind the eight ball in terms of recruiting and putting this class together because he gets hired, and then the early signing period is, what, like seven days later or whatever the hell it was. It was less than two weeks. And then you get your spring cut out. I mean, that's half of your preparation time preparing for your first season at this program. So this is really, like, a year zero or, a, at best, a year, like, .5, if that makes any sense at all. So, like, as far as expectations, like – yeah, I mean, if you have any expectations, that's a you problem. I mean, obviously, you don't want to roll out like a three and nine if you're Kiffin or Leach or something like that. But like, I just think having major expectations this year is uh, is is not a wise thing to do. Just considering everything that's happened, I would have probably made a similar argument even Corona or not. But this just has just thrown everything into a frenzy. So would it stun me if Ole Miss made a bowl game? No. Would I bet on them, too? No, I'd bet on them to get close, I think. I think I'd have them at five wins. I think I'd have stayed at the same thing. It's just, Ole Miss, I mean, State, State seems to be a little more of a disadvantage because Leach's system is so different, and I know, like, the – like, I've seen a bunch of people say that, like, hey, well, he says they can install it in two weeks. Well, guess what co- guess what? a coach is never going to say? You yeah, know, our offense is complicated as shit. It's going to take me months to install. No one's ever going to say that. Everyone says it's easy to install. Everyone and every player says it's the same offense that they ran in high school. Guess what? It's all bullshit. It's not true. But, like, they're not going to say anything different. So, you know, well really that, different that system just new because quarterback you can
0: learn all of the plays in 2 weeks doesn't mean you have it down either it doesn't mean your timing's right and you have the receivers that can catch the football and stuff like that it, that that is a um i hope that's a talking point that a lot of people don't buy into because as and i i'm certainly not a football x's and o's expert compared to somebody like Cole Kublick. so i will trust his word when he says uh yeah the, the two week thing is nice but it's a little more layered than that. And if anybody's at a greater disadvantage in the SEC, it is Mississippi State. When he talks and says that, I listen.
1: Yeah, I agree. Let's take a break real quick and remind you. Podcast brought to you by LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. It's grilling season. I hope we get some good weather this weekend. The forecast is a little spotty, but I think we're entering that time of year where they just predict chances of rain every day because you never know. Uh, You're getting like pop-up shower season. But anyway, no better way to throw uh, social distance than throw something delicious on the grill. LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. Steaks, custom cuts, sausages, all kinds of delicious stuff. Lane Train Special, Keith Carter Special. Check out their uh, Twitter at LB's underscore meats. I promise you, you'll get hungry. But uh, it's the absolute best place in Mississippi to get meat. I'm telling you, uh, if you're in Oxford, you want to stop by there, throw something delicious on the grill. You won't regret it. Greg's been great to the show. Hopefully, we'll have him back on sooner than later predicting football games and wins and loss totals like we just sort of kind of did there but anyway go check him out lb's university avenue across from kroger it's the best place in mississippi to get meat let's see how long how many plays did each of you last in an nfl football game before an injury one if i didn't get hurt running onto the field
0: I think if you lined uh, both of us, but I think if like, I lined up at wide receiver or DB, I could avoid injury. If that's the goal, right, to just stay on the field, I could do it. Now, if you wanted me to like, get in the play and like, try to throw blocks and stuff, then yeah, it's one play. But if it's just try to not get injured, I think if you lined me up outside, I could uh, last a few plays before somebody took my head off.
1: I would want to get injured because I don't want to turn it into two or three plays. I'd rather just get it out of the way. So I, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna lowball myself and say one. Have you ever?
0: I know you've done it with college football, but have you ever like been field level uh, during an NFL game?
1: I have. A buddy of mine's father worked for the Atlanta Falcons for quite a while uh, before he like got out. He worked on like the financial side of things. Like I think he did salary caps and contracts. But anyway, he moved to Jackson, but whenever the, Saint, like, whenever the Saints would play the Falcons in New Orleans, and I'm sure they did the same thing in Atlanta, they would go and get like sideline passes and stay at the team hotel and stuff like that. So I actually did that one time in Bobby Petrino's year with the nice. Atlanta Falcons with quarterback Byron Leftwich, uh, very post-Michael Vick. So I did that in the Superdome for a Saints-Falcons game one year. Uh, I know where you're going with this. It's it, it's sick how huge those dudes are. Leftwich is probably a great example of that because you see, like, he's a big dude in general for a quarterback. You see him throwing during warmups like at field level, and you're like, holy hell, this dude's huge.
0: And it, it's not even just the size. It, it compared, like, I, I've been on the field for a handful of SEC games, and the speed difference between the NFL and the SEC is uh, obvious, and just how much faster everybody is on the field It is crazy to me. I mean, like yeah. it's hard it's hard to believe that everything you watch in the stands, like you can see a receiver running open, right? Like you can see a guy beat an offensive tackle and get a sack. But like when you're on the field, it's it's hard for me to to understand how like quarterbacks can process all of that information so quickly and deliver accurate passes,
1: yeah. and and it's interesting in college because I mean, a little inside baseball here when the way the game works is like, you cover the game or whatever but with like 6 minutes to go in the game they start ushering all the media like out of the press box and onto the field and you watch the last couple minutes and you go to the post game and it's just crazy cuz it's like a different entirely different game from what you watched up there cuz you don't appreciate the size and the speed and then you get down to the field level and a lot of times that's mop up time so it's not even like consequential action and it's not always the starters in and just hearing how like loud they hit each other and how big and how fast they are is just remarkable. It's not something you can really fully capture unless you're down field level or pretty damn close to it. Cuz I just remember going to different games as a kid and we had decent seats but like it wasn't always uh like it, we weren't like close down to the field level, and you still can't really appreciate it then. Like I mean getting down to that level and hearing it and just seeing it that up close is 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 insanity. They're huge. So yeah, one play without a shadow of a doubt. Um well, let's see. I got a DM about something. My question is, who would have been on the cover of NCAA football video game years 15 through 20 if they had made the game? Oh, I hate to be lazy here, but don't you just pretty much do previous years I was trophy winner? Because that's the thing. The, ca- the guy on the yeah. game doesn't actually play college football that year, right?
0: Right. It's always... Because
1: uh... they can't do that. Right. Uh, so that's kind of confusing, but for the sake of the argument, let's just use like who was the best player the previous season, which is kind of what it is anyway. Let's see. I'm just going through a list of Heismans.
0: Would have been Derrick Henry in 2015. Okay. Or no, in 2016, because that was the 2015 Heisman Trophy. So it would have been Derrick Henry, maybe Deshaun Watson, but I, I think it would have been Derrick Henry in 15.
1: Uh, 16, Lamar Jackson. He would absolutely. That first Lamar Jackson season was insane. 17, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, and Joe Burrow. So a lot of quarterbacks. But sometimes they mix up. I don't know. I mean, Larry Fitzgerald was on the O five one, But I, I'm just going to follow the lead here because I don't remember all of these seasons and who stuck out and who didn't. So uh, I'm going to. Wikipedia is <laughs> – I don't know if this is a troll job or them just being funny or lazy. But uh, 2018 Heisman winner Kyler Murray – uh, his photo in his Wikipedia headshot is actually him in Texas A&M gear. Nice. So, that's a, A&M. Are you talk about a program that's had a bunch of talented quarterbacks leave their program? Holy cow.
0: The state of Texas in general. I mean, the, the amount of elite-level quarterbacks that have come out of the state of Texas that did not go or did not finish their career at Texas or UT uh, or Texas A&M is mind-blowing.
1: Yeah, it is insane. So uh, I feel like we answered this question lazily, but I'm just following the Heisman Trophy trail. I think you would have gone Henry, Jackson, Mayfield, Murray. I mean, but, but oh, most of these are easy. Like the Lamar Jackson season, slam dunk. Is there any question it would be Joe Burrow after the season he just had?
0: No, not not even a little.
1: So, like, I guess you could make a case for someone else in the two Oklahoma years, Mayfield and Murray, but they ended up being the number one overall pick in the draft. Like, I think you're just following the Heisman Trophy trail here. One last mailbag question, then we have a couple of topics that I'd like to get into before we get out of here. What college team has your favorite... Color scheme. Don't be a homer and say Ole Miss. I, buddy, I would not put Ole Miss in the top 15. I like UCLA. I know it's predictable, but before they changed up and did all the different shades of their uniforms, stuff like that, the classic mid 2000s UCLA uniforms were great. I'm going to go that as my color scheme. Are you like deep in thought?
0: Sorry, i uh, I forgot to unmute myself. He pooped too, so uh, that's fun. Um, now okay, we' well talking the, about
1: colors here in to the, the top to 15
0: um, you wouldn't put almost in the top 15 with red and blue?
1: Well, okay, so that's not uniforms
0: not- or anything, but color scheme they're they're up there. But aren't there 15 teams with a red and blue color scheme? Pretty much, yeah. Um, <laughs> I,
1: I just, I, I, okay, I, that's probably a little harsh. I wouldn't put them in, like, my top list because they have such a uh, generic color scheme. I think Ole Miss has good uniforms. I think it's pretty much an impossible color scheme to screw up. And I guess it's a little different when you throw the powder blue in there and the 19 shades this university throws out. But, uh, like, to me, like, you're going to have to have a unique color scheme here because, like like, Tennessee orange, not necessarily my favorite, but, like, making orange work is more impressive than making red and blue work. Even in state's case, I don't think any rational person is saying like maroon's the greatest color on earth. Like, I mean, they make it work. State's got some good looking uniforms across all sports. I'm just talking about for your average guy throwing on a maroon shirt. It's not always the easiest to pull off. So like, but it's not unique. I'm giving you more credit if you pull that off. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maize and yellow, like there's no, you're not just walking up to a bar and like, I'm going to throw my maize shirt on. Like, Like I'm looking for more out there color schemes. I'm going UCLA. Uh,
0: Michigan, uh, I think, would be my favorite. I love that yellow, the the maize and blue. And I I don't like Michigan at all, obviously. But uh, I think that might be my favorite in college football.
1: I'm gonna go Pitt up there as well, kind of like a
0: blue. Yeah,
1: yeah. That's a that's a real winner. I actually like Syracuse. I know that sounds strange, but I like orange and navy. I think for whatever reason, I think that looks solid. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything obvious I'm missing. I don't like Miami. Green and orange, not not a huge fan. Southern Cals is good
0: when they do color on color versus UCLA. That might be the most aesthetically pleasing uniform matchup in the sport.
1: Florida State's got a good one, too. I like the gold in that garnet. Eh, I'm trying to think. Not a big burn orange guy.
0: No. Uh-uh.
1: Yeah, I think that about covers it. So I'm going to go UCLA. I believe that was all the mailbag questions we had. I'll go back through real quick and make sure we didn't miss any. Uh, but before we get out of here, there are a couple of topics to discuss. We'll get into the Blake Snell thing. But also, uh, I don't want to bury the lead anymore on this robbery thing. So two NFL quarterbacks, uh, New York Giants, uh who was a rookie this past year, DeAndre Baker and Seattle Seahawks, Quentin Dunbar, are facing – or connect, I shouldn't say that. They're being investigated in connection to an armed robbery. Or No, excuse me, warrants have issued. So the arrest warrants have been issued in an armed robbery investigation. It says that they were in Miramar, Florida. They were at a cookout and just decided uh, – an altercation broke out, and then they all of a sudden just started – to just rob the guests at the cookout. That's not Southern hospitality. What is going on here?
0: I, man, I I can't quite figure it out yet. Like I've read a couple stories about it for context. I still don't really know what's going on.
1: Yeah, I mean, so I'll just read here. The alleged incident took place late Wednesday night at a party that began Wednesday evening. Thanks for the redundancy there, ESPN News services. According to the arrest warrant, Baker and Dunbar are accused of stealing money and watches with force while armed with semi-automatic firearms. Baker intentionally threatened victims with the firearm, according to the arrest warrant, it said at one point during the incident, Baker ordered another suspect wearing a red mask to shoot an individual who was entering the party. Good God. This is like hazing on steroids. Uh, so I saw also TMZ details that they were, they were playing some sort of game or something. And like all of a sudden an argument broke out and they were just like, I'm going to rob all the people here. Like I just, I don't like, I guess there's a, I, I guess I don't get it. Cause there's a level of stupidity here that I just can't really wrap my head around. I mean, it's, what are these guys um, making? He was a first round pick. The Baker was a first round pick in 2019. He's making he's he's a first round pick with a nine million dollar guaranteed contract. What the hell are you robbing a couple grand off some dudes at a barbecue for? I don't understand this. Uh,
0: it's um, it's really sad. I, I mean, I guess you know, money just can't change people. And and if that's how, how I, I don't know. I, I saw. I think it was Michael McCann uh, who said that it's possible they were trying to. Um, Recoup something that was stolen from them uh, recently uh, from potentially the same people. I I don't know. But either way, you can't be a multimillionaire and and think that that is the um, solution to any issue that you ever come across. And it's just sad that uh, somebody along the way in their life did them wrong and and they learned that that was like the appropriate response to something like that's just sad.
1: I just don't get the turning point here. Here's a TMZ story. According, uh, cops say Baker and Dunbar were allegedly hanging out at a cookout, playing cards and video games when an argument broke out and Baker whipped out a semi-automatic firearm. Cops say the men began to rob party guests, with Dunbar assisting and taking watches and other valuables at the direction of Baker. I just don't like uh, that. That doesn't add up to me. You're hanging out, you're playing video games, cards, an argument breaks out. And instead of arguing with each other, you're just like, "Hey, like now let's rob the party." I just what where's the turning point here? What, what am I missing? Because if an argument breaks out it like you whip out a gun, I'm assuming you're pissed at the person you're arguing with, but it, it appears that they just joined forces. I just I, something here something here does not pass the smell test:
0: No, it doesn't make any sense at
1: all. Um, at, at one point, cops say Baker directed a third man who was wearing a red mask to shoot someone who had just walked into the party, but fortunately, no one was actually shot. Good Lord.
0: Yeah, they're going to prison for a long time. Uh, I mean, their career's over, obviously. It's just, it's wild. Uh, hard to believe. When I saw the headline, I couldn't, I literally could not believe it. I thought it was that Sports Talk Barry guy at first, pretending to be Schefter.
1: <laughs> well, he actually, uh, he got a friend of the program, Tom Hart. I saw last night uh you know a troll account but he he said it was politically motivated that he robbed a barbecue of Trump donors or something and anyway just complete fake news so he was actually uh your your friend Barry was on the case anyway but yeah real story just uh crazy uh sad I just I don't understand it Outside of that, the kind of the thing that shook the sports world yesterday, I say shook the sports world, that's a little dramatic. The thing everyone was talking about was uh, Tampa Bay Rays pitcher Blake Snell, avid twitcher, uh, plays MLB the show on Twitch a lot, uh, went on a rant about how he wasn't going to play for a reduced salary. I- I'm not going to read the whole rant or whatever. I'm sure a lot of you have seen it by now. But uh, for- basically he was just talking about how he didn't want to go out there and play for a reduced salary and risk his life, and he was like, if I get Corona, then uh, like, that stays with me for forever. But this is just weeks after he said that the media overhyped Corona, and if he gets it, he gets it. So that doesn't really add up. Uh, basically, what I'm gathering here is Blake Snell is sharing a sentiment that a lot of players feel because the players had already, they had already negotiated a deal with the owners about a prorated salary, and now the owners figured out that the deal that they negotiated and agreed to uh, is going to lose them money, so now they want to renegotiate. That's not really how negotiations work. But Blake Snell articulated this point just in- terribly. and sounded kind of uh, out of touch with the reality. But uh, he does have a point here. And like, as we've talked about a couple times on the radio show, it's easy to dump on the players here, but they negotiated a deal. It's not their problem that the owners figured out their deal sucked and like, want to go back and renegotiate because they're going to lose money. It's not really how it works.
0: Yeah, and his Snell's problem is the the words that he used made it seem like he was saying any kind of pay cut at all. He was not and,
1: articulate in making his point whatsoever. It was uh, a terribly worded statement.
0: For lack of a better term, he's kind of a dumbass. and yes. So that's why he's getting dunked on, and I even participated in that, because his words say that he's talking about any kind of reduced salary, not the prorated thing. Like, if he had just been more articulate... People would have sympathized with him, I think, because you sign an agreement that is willing to play on a reduced salary because there aren't as many games. But he himself said, uh, less games, less money. No, I need to get mine. Well, what are you talking about then? Are you saying that you should get all of your money uh, despite only playing half the season? What are you talking about? But if they were united in their messaging across the board, hey, we've already agreed to a reduced salary. That's not the problem. They're trying to tear up the agreement that we made and give us even less. That's the issue. Not less money for less games. It's we already agreed to that, and they're trying to take more. Then Blake Snell wouldn't have been a story for being an idiot yesterday. It wouldn't have even been a story. It just would have been part of what should be a similar message. But since he, he can't articulate a point, it was a news cycle, and now the players are looked at even more negatively.
1: Yeah, and it's a, it's a different case too because like baseball wa- players' wages are suppressed when they're younger players. Like Blake Snell won a Cy Young, making like six hundred and fifty thousand dollars. So like, like I mean, I'm not saying I agree or disagree with him. I, I tend to side more with the players here because I think it's kind of lazy to side with the billionaire owners on this, but like. A guy who wanna saw Young being that grossly underpaid, like I-, I can see where he's coming from when he doesn't want to give up a dime of what he feels like he's owed. Because I mean, he 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 over over delivered in terms of value, like as opposed to what he was getting paid for so long. Now that he's finally getting paid, they're asking him to take less of that. Like I I get it. I get it. He just he did not articulate his point well. Uh, I think there's too much on the line here. For them to not have a season, I think they're going to uh, for, we'll figure something out and have a baseball season on July first. But, but uh, this was going to be kind of an ugly public fight, and you're kind of starting to see uh, why. I, I get it on both sides, but you know the owners negotiated a deal. That's kind of their issue. Like live with it. You negotiated a bad deal. Also, you're billionaires. If you lose money for one year, it'll probably won't be the end of the world. Uh, for a lot of players, losing money for a year would uh, not not be great. So. Uh-huh.
0: But they've got all the leverage, though. That—that's what I would be concerned about if I were the players. Because, I mean, can't the owners take their ball and go home since they do have so much money? It doesn't really matter. And hell, half the league isn't trying to win anyway.
1: Right. So, it. Uh, yeah. I mean, you're you're right. It's it's interesting. The players don't really have the in-game leverage, which is why I think eventually baseball is going to get played. It's just. Uh, it's gonna be a uh a rather it is b
0: s though that the owners agreed to that, and then they're changing it uh, like that's that's garbage that's not really it. how
1: it works, but also they didn't become billionaires by negotiating deals that lose money so but it's not it's not like it's it, it. like I say that it's not as simple as them just negotiating a bad deal. I don't think they necessarily could have foreseen the damage this was actually going to do to to their season at the time, so like you're gambling on something without knowing like certainty like like not like the end result is not the right thing, but they were gambling without knowing how long the season was going to be in negotiating. So I, I, I get it. Like it's just a crappy situation all around, but yes, coming back and asking them to renegotiate, not really how it works. But um, anyway, I think that's about all we had today. Uh, are there any other major stories? Anyone else do anything dumb?
0: Uh, not that I know of. No, well,
1: that's good. Uh, let's see. I'm just going through. Oh, I saw this, uh, uh Rob Manfred was on CNN last night, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, he was, on. he was on CNN and he outlined some testing protocols. And one of the things that he, he was, uh, was interesting is that when he said when a player was infected, he didn't think they needed to be quarantined for 14 days. He think they needed to be quarantined until they tested negative for the virus twice in a 24 hour period. That's a it says our experts are advising that we don't need a 14 day quarantine. What we'll do is the positive individual will be removed for the rest of the group. There will be a quarantine arrangement in each facility and in each city, and we'll do contact tracing for individuals we believe there was contact with, and we will point do point of care testing for those individuals to minimize the likelihood there's a spread. I find that kind of interesting because you've heard this whole fourteen day thing the whole time. But he's saying the medical experts that are advising Major League Baseball are like, no, you just need to quarantine them until it's proven they don't have it twice in 24 hours, which to me is kind of a game changer. That's uh, interesting. I mean, I I mean, I don't think he's just I don't think he's just going off the cuff saying that on his own. I believe he got advised that way. I just find that interesting.
0: Yeah, that's um, there's no way he's saying that unless uh, multiple medical experts have told him that that is the case. So that's a, a nice step forward isn't it that they don't have to quarantine for that long
1: yeah and you would think that would be the same for the nba i mean the nba may adopt different policies but if that's possible for major league baseball i don't really see how that wouldn't be possible for the nba so that's good uh in terms of like the their confidence and their ability to get all of these tests and to be able to do this major league baseball seems a lot more confident than all of the other professional sports organizations obviously not ufc and stuff not included like team sports I, basically, what I'm saying is they seem more confident than the NBA in their ability to have these tests and not run out of tests or deplete the uh, you know number of tests from the general public or whatever, or supply of tests overall. They seem to be more confident in having these tests and being able to do this and maintain that supply than the NBA. Because where baseball, you haven't really read in a long time that testing and the volume of testing be an issue, where you're still kind of seeing that in these NBA stories that pop up. I don't know why that is, but I have noticed that.
0: I don't know why that is either. Um, man, I don't know what to think about the NBA anymore. We and talked you're about it more
1: dudes week. in baseball, aren't you? I mean,
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, the roster sizes are much bigger. Dudes
1: plus coaches. But
0: like, in the the story that came out that we talked about the other day about the NBA's lack of messaging, they said that testing isn't readily available yet. But everything I read says that it is.
1: Oh, that's so rapid response testing. They don't believe is available.
0: No, oh, so they're talking about the one that like takes a couple of days.
1: Yeah, well, they're, they're yeah, they're talking about they don't. They're not sure if they can maintain the instant result testing. The rapid response testing, they're not. They didn't seem sure that they would have enough of those to last throughout. So, it's, I don't know if baseball is doing that or the just the normal test where you figure out in a day or two. I, uh, I I I don't know. There seems to be a disconnect there between the two, which is kind of uh, which is kind of the point I was trying to make there.
0: That doesn't make any sense, man. Yeah. Hey, I, I guess it's it's not hard to understand why um, there's so much inconsistency, right? Because nobody really has any of the answers. And it makes me worried about college football. Because at least these leagues have one leader, one commissioner that's making decisions and... They can and not receive blowback uh, start without fans, and that would be okay. Like the NFL, it seems like they're prepared to play without fans, and that'll be okay because they're professional athletes, right? So if they have to go without fans, what do you think about this, pal? Huh? Um, if they have to go without fans, then nobody questions, wait, are they pros or are they students? With college football, even if they decide, screw it, and we got to go through it because at the end of the day, at least we have to recruit some of this TV money or something, you still have that question, and people talk about whether or not they're students and call it a bad look and all that crap. So their road to navigate is more difficult than the other ones, and they don't have any leadership like the other ones do. Hey, I'm, I'm increasingly worried about how college football is going to look the closer we get, not because of anything other than the fact that you have – Five different commissioners that want and think five different things that all make independent decisions for their league with no oversight whatsoever.
1: I agree. And the only retort I really have to that is right now, you really like the like college football is really not benefiting from uh, not having a commissioner. Because like right now, when everything's so uncertain, you need one leader and everything to be on the same page. Could it be that there's just more general certainty about how to contain this and about how to treat it? And with all these other leagues getting underway before college football, a clear blueprint of, hey, how this is going to work and how this needs to work by September, if that makes any sense. Everything seems so uncertain right now. And college football seems even more disorganized because in certain you kind of need unity and leadership and everyone having the same message and on the same page. To whereas could they by the fall, it just be like pretty cut and dry how you do this, how you restart, how you test, how there may be a controllable treatment for the virus by then. I don't know. But do you see what I'm saying? Like, could they just by the time September hits, could it just be like a lot more certain about how to treat this and that away their lack of just messaging and being on par, like things are just not as unknown and complicated by then them benefit from that. Cause right now everything's so unknown. You need kind of a strong United front and a commissioner making dynamic decisions. Uh, could there be fewer decisions to make just because there's more certainty about this in the fall? I don't know. That may be overly optimistic, but uh, college football would certainly benefit if that's the case, but it is a yeah. good
0: point. It's still just may. And people get caught up in, like, the schools making announcements this fall and, like, whether or not that's too soon. I'm, I'm not even going to go down that road. But as far as making decisions about sports, it is way too soon. Like, you've got time. Even if your campus – as long as your campus is partially reopened to some degree, you can play football comfortably. Like And, and nobody would criticize you. If they do, they're just idiots. Like, nobody that matters – would would criticize you if you're playing ball on a partially open campus completely closed that's different so the academic thing aside you've got plenty of time you really don't have to if they're saying that all they need is six weeks to prepare for a season I mean you've got until July you know you've got another four five six weeks and to make these decisions you don't have to rush them and so just wait see what happens it, we make more progress every day for like Florida. They're, what are they, three weeks out now? Almost three weeks out from their reopening and their cases keep going down. That's a good thing. So what's going to happen three weeks from now? It could be worse, I guess, everywhere, but it also could continue to get better. And then maybe there's an effective treatment that doctors finally approve or whatever. You know, there's just so many variables. No, no reason to rush a decision right now on the athletic side.
1: Yep, I agree. So this is gonna be an interesting interesting next couple of months and football college football and really professional football as well, although they probably don't need it, is going to benefit from having a blueprint from these other leagues coming back first. You hope and so. So well yeah, yeah, I guess presumably you think Greg
0: Santie so, but... and uh and Bob Bolesby, for example, uh the two commissioners that seem the most like, Hey, we're playing football this year, this is what we're doing are uh, on the phone with like Rob Manford and just
1: well, I, mean, they had a call with, uh, I don't know about ba- baseball or basketball, but they did have a. Co- I saw the uh, major co- co- college conference commissioners had a call with Roger Goodell yesterday and just oh, kind of shared they? some you ideas.
0: Think uh, you know great podcast here, but will you send yeah. me that link for later?
1: <laughs> yeah, I will. They uh, they had a call with Roger Goodell, I believe. I just saw it pop up on uh, on ESPN's ticker last night, right before I went to bed. But, uh, yeah, I think they just discussed some shared ideas. So, yeah, I think all kinds of collaborations going on. And I think college football not having a clear, like, leader, uh, I think these – I think, I mean, even in the face of uh, a lack of leadership, I think the commissioners have done a good job in at least trying to be dynamic for their own respective conferences. It would just help if all the commissioners had a boss to turn to. But, anyway, I think that's about all we had today. Pretty solid Mailbag Friday show. Appreciate everyone tuning in. Borky and I – We'll be on the radio this afternoon, Sports Talk, Mississippi, 3 to 6 p.m. Tune in there. I'll remind oh, you well. one more time before we get out of the, get out of here. Uh, go by LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. Oh, it's grilling season. No better way to social distance and throw something delicious on the grill and enjoy the nice, warm weather. Go check him out, LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. Steaks, custom-cut sausages, ribeye sausage is awesome. Keith Carter special, Lane Train special, 8 and 6 ounce bacon wrap fillets. For like 10 bucks, go check him out. Greg's got all kinds of stuff going on at the store. You won't regret it. LB's is delicious. Go check out their Twitter page at LB's underscore meats. You will absolutely not regret it. It's the best place in Mississippi to get meat. Thanks for joining us for another Mailbag Friday. Like I mentioned, Borky and I on the radio this afternoon. And we'll be back at it on Monday. A
0: Super Talk Mississippi media production.